Josh Bass and Marcus Barahal are back to break down the Nets' excellent win over the Boston Celtics, Spencer Dinwiddie's meteoric rise, and why Janan Musa and Theo Pinson are still playing. That and more on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a post-Thanksgiving edition of the Locked On Nets. We are recording the afternoon here of uh, Friday, celebrating uh, two things. One, a Nets hard-fought victory over the Boston Celtics, and also the first time in a while that myself and my accomplished co-host Marcus Barahal are together. Marcus, I missed you, man. Josh, I haven't heard your voice in podcast form in so long. Uh, this is what what a thrill. What a treat to be back uh, together with you on this podcast. I know it, it's great. I had to uh, I had to listen to your solo episodes just to like feel like I knew what was going on with you, man. Yeah, same, vice versa. Yeah, but uh, hopefully we will not have this type of uh, this type of time apart in the future. Um, but who knows? Because maybe it's a good luck omen for the Nets because the Nets have played very well. Uh, obviously, we won't talk too much about that Wednesday loss against the the Celtics uh, and really the the interesting atmosphere that Boston had, even though Kyrie wasn't playing. But um, we just watched a Nets victory over Boston. Much more exciting things to talk about. But before we get into that, Marcus, how was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was good. Uh, saw some family, uh, made mac and cheese for the third consecutive year. Uh, big hit there. Slight tweak to my recipe, but uh, uh, still came through in the clutch. Uh, helped Sarah make some mashed potatoes, some gravy. Uh, most cooking I think I've done in a Thanksgiving to this point in my life. How was yours, Josh? It was good. I, I didn't do any cooking, but I did. Oh. <laughs> uh, I esteem myself on, on being able to bring a really good selection of desserts. Those who know me ha- know that I have a huge sweet tooth, and I brought some bomb uh, pumpkin pie, my favorite, and then also apple pie, which even though I don't like it as much, I know it is a crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I personally prefer apple, but uh, I, I don't mind some pumpkin. I had some pumpkin yesterday. Uh, yeah, so it's so good. I think pecan pie is my overall number one favorite dessert, and then pumpkin pie, uh, obviously very festive and, and up there as well in terms of uh, my go-to desserts, and that's why the fall is the best time of year, man, because basketball and uh, and pumpkin pie it is pie season so the nets had a a really nice win today they came out of the gate firing spencer dinwiddie was complaining about the early start today and noon start but it didn't slow him down 32 points 11 assists he was kind of leading the way Jarrett allen had an excellent first half and uh, the nets just did enough to hold off the boston celtics who looked a little sluggish and besides uh, some really good shot making from jason tatum just didn't look like they had it today yeah, they would have like little spurts of energy, but like you said, it felt like every run that the Celtics had, the Nets kind of had an answer for, and Boston couldn't really put together more than a couple possessions in a row. But like when they were clicking, like uh, in the second quarter and at the end of the third when they went on that 11-0 run, it it looked very tough to stop, but then all of a sudden the Nets were stopping it. So uh, yeah, maybe it was the start time, uh, maybe it was a little turkey hangover, I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. They looked inconsistent. Yeah, Boston. DeAndre Jordan didn't have a turkey hangover, as, uh, as someone mentioned on the on the uh, broadcast. I think it was Ian Eagle. He does need any meat, so he was ready to go. He had an awesome game. But, yeah, I mean, the Nets starters, just like they cooked the Celtics. I mean, Joe Harris plus 17, Dinwiddie plus 11, 
Allen plus 14, Torian Prince plus 12. They have been in an awesome rhythm since kind of uh, coming together as a unit. Uh, I think Garrett Temple's played really well with them as well. What have you seen from the Nets' new starters? Uh, because I think the way, how, how competitive that that unit has been has definitely been surprising to me, especially going up against a team like Boston. Yeah, I mean, I talked about this a little bit on a podcast a, a couple couple pods ago, but that trio that was like integral last year, a big part of the rotation, Dinwiddie, Allen, and Harris, they've all really stepped up in this uh, eight-game stretch without Kyrie. Dinwiddie's playing like at an all-star level. Jared Allen seems to have found uh, a new heightened level of aggressiveness. He looks like he's way more active uh, on the offensive end, especially like on the glass and uh, catching passes and just kind of going up strong with everything. He looks really good. Joe Harris is like always just like kind of a rock, very consistent. And then they've gotten contributions from guys you mentioned, like Prince and Temple, uh, who don't necessarily have it every game. Prince, his shot kind of comes and goes, but when it's there, he's like a microwave. He can get a couple baskets mm-hmm. in a hurry. And Garrett Temple has brought a lot of steadiness to the bench unit, like when they kind of go with him almost as the de facto point guard. I feel like I trust him more than I trust definitely Pinson or Musa handling the ball with that second unit. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Pinson <laughs> yeah. and Musa. But yeah, I think a couple points there that, that you really hit on. I think Torian Prince didn't have a great game today, but uh, of the four threes he hit, three of them were within like a four-possession span for the Nets in the second quarter. And again, his ability to light it up, as you mentioned, and just be that microwave scorer, even when he's in a huge shooting funk for the game, is a really important option for the Nets, especially given the way that this roster is constructed now, where they need guys that can just get buckets. And he's someone that doesn't need a ton of airspace to shoot. So um, he's been, I think, definitely his flaws are evident, but the value that he brings, he can be very useful um, for this Nets team, given some of their injuries. And I mean, this Allen thing is crazy to me. He had another... Uh, he's had two awesome games in, in a row, or, or more than that even. Um, but yeah, he's just trying to dunk every on offense, go for offensive rebounds. He doesn't look hesitant at all. Uh, I mean, some of these offensive rebounds where he was just get clearing guys out and going up for the dunk. I mean, it was awesome to see. Yeah, and then on the defensive end too, he's been like throwing his body around. There were a couple possessions where Cantor was trying to back him down in the post, and like in past seasons, Cantor's a guy who's given the Nets trouble and guys like that, but he. Like, Allen kind of held his own, held his ground, and even though he didn't, like, have any, like, he had the one block on Cantor. He didn't have a ton of, like, massive, like, this is great defense plays, but he just kind of held his own and forced it to be a tougher shot, which is, like, given his frame, that's kind of all you can ask for. Mm -hmm. And then the Nets have done such a good job of, like, team rebounding. Joe Harris is always great at that, but other guys, too, like Dinwiddie, just boxing out your man and clearing space for someone else to get the rebound. Even if, like, you're not the guy grabbing it, like... The Nets, I feel like they always have, like, six guys who have, like, four or five rebounds. Yeah. That, no, it's it's important, especially because, I mean, Allen, he's not a bruiser. I think he's a great offensive rebounder. He'll probably never be that amazing defensive rebounder, especially going up those big-bodied guys, whether it be a Cantor or Sabonis on Indiana gives him a ton of trouble. Uh, but, yeah, everyone just kind of looks tougher inside. Dinwiddie had some huge blocks. Joe Harris, as you mentioned, is always a solid defender. Um, and I think DeAndre Jordan has actually played, I, I know this is his first game back in a couple, um, that he missed. He was missing some time with his sore ankle, but he looked really energized on both ends today. Um, obviously, he had a couple really nice lob finishes, one with a smooth one-hander, but he seems really engaged to me. Before, like before at the start of the season, it was pretty lackadaisical. He was just kind of hanging around at the rim. He looked a step slow, but now he seems really, really 
um, polish and you could tell just his activity and energy is giving a nice stabilizing presence to the Nets' second unit defensively uh, when they really need that because offensively, they're a joke right now. Yeah, and the the chemistry has been like a lot better between Dinwiddie and the two big guys on those lob passes. Like that was a huge problem mm-hmm. in the first couple games. But he's learned how to throw a lob. Them. It's great. Yeah, I know. It's about time. Uh, they've like connected on all of them. It feels like the last couple games. Mm-hmm. Could Dinwiddie be an all star with with the way he's playing? I know his numbers are going to take a bit of a hit uh, once Kyrie comes back, which will hopefully I know it won't be the Heat game. They ruled him out for that, but hopefully it could be Wednesday against Atlanta. But I mean, the way Dinwiddie's playing right now, he's just balling out, averaging uh, 20 points, 6 assists, relatively efficient, and the Nets have, have been on the come-up, and right now uh, an entrenched playoff team in the seventh seed in the East. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's played like an all-star uh, since Kyrie went down. I mean, in those eight games, he's averaging uh, tw- almost 24 points, basically, and eight assists, seven assists. So, like, those are all-star numbers, especially in the Eastern Conference, and if he's going to be like the best guy on a playoff team like yeah that's definitely all-star worthy that's kind of what D'Angelo Russell did last year where it was like this guy's the best player this is a playoff team Um, he's putting up 20 plus points seven plus assists like pretty much every night so I think that if he can continue this level of production he's definitely in the mix for an all-star spot but like you said with Kyrie coming back with Levert hopefully coming back around Christmas like his numbers probably will take a hit and even if he's like, we all know he's capable of delivering these kinds of performances. We won't see them every night just because of the volume of it all. Right. Well, I feel like his, I mean, I think his touches are definitely going to go down. But from a minute standpoint, like, let's say Kyrie comes back. Looking at today's game, at least, Pinson and Musa combined to play 34 points. So even, let's say, Kyrie just takes all of those guys' minutes and obviously swaps um, places with Dimwitty. So now Dimwitty's a backup. They're still going to need him to play kind of uh, at least 30 minutes. And, you know, earlier in the season, it wasn't the minutes that were really the problem. It was his play. He looked out of sorts, um, really getting caught in between um, going to the basket or shooting that pull-up three, reckless turnovers and drives. But if he's figured it out, regardless if it's coming in a starting role or a bench role, the numbers should be there. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. Um, I do expect that, like, once the, the three guards are all healthy, they should all be playing 30-plus minutes. Like, I know it's, like, a little tough to do because it's hard to play all three of them at the same time, but I think you can stagger it where there's at least two on the court at one time. And yeah, I mean, he's going to get the minutes, like you said. It's just a matter of if he can stay in rhythm when he's not touching the ball as mm-hmm. much as he is now. Mm-hmm. What have you made of Shumpert? Because I think he's been an interesting player to watch because he's certainly not gun-shy shooting the ball, and there have been times where his, his ability to get buckets has given the Nets the punch they needed in a small spurt. Overall, his percentages don't look good, but I thought in today's game, especially the first half, he was the reason that the Nets had built out a, a nice cushion in the second quarter before ultimately Boston went on a run at the end of the second to kind of close that lead out. Yeah, I mean, I've loved his energy, and he had a nice steal like along the sideline in this game. Um, I thought I think that he kind of brings that energy that a guy like Rondé used to bring last year, like like what we saw in that Big Kings comeback, where it's just a guy who's like always going to be flying around. You probably want him to do less on offense that he wants to do, but just the energy and the tenacity he brings is like enough to cancel that out and bring everyone else's energy up. And so, I think you and I kind of wanted Nawaba to be that guy, but for whatever reason, he hasn't been playing. So I think uh, Shumpert is like kind of a close enough to that where he brings 
a lot of the things Nawaba I think would have brought, um, and maybe a little bit more on the offensive end. Yeah, I don't know why Nawaba is not playing, but I think he he would be a good spark plug, which Shump has has been. Um, Nawaba did have a good game against the end uh, of the Celtics Wednesday game, but didn't yep. get any run now. And speaking of Rondé, Rondé's balling out in Toronto. Did you notice this? Yeah, I'm happy for him. I like. <laughs> I think I saw Chris Herring, a former former guest on this podcast, yeah, yeah. too. Like, he's a perfect fit in Toronto, which I'm, I'm happy for Rondé. I know. He just fits in kind of their, like, switchable wing mold. Um, and I was talking to someone at work that is uh, is Canadian and a Raptors fan. He was, like, gushing about Rondé. It's like, I can't believe we got this guy. He's so good. And he's shooting 56% from the floor, which, I mean, he never shot that as a net. He's, like, so <laughs> inefficient. His ability, like, maybe Nick Nurse has told him to stop driving and stop trying to create your own stuff. You suck at it. But he's, he's found out his role, and it's been working for him. And he's a great guy, so obviously very happy for him uh, and, and well-deserved there. Yeah, and the Raptors have like kind of consistently been able to get more out of guys than was expected. Like Whether it's Siakam or Van Vliet, even a guy like OG Ananobi, who has had health concerns coming into the league and like still kind of has those, but has definitely like shown flashes of what he can be defensively and that kind of thing. So I think Rondé fits that mold, like you said, of those switchy wings and who don't really have a jumper, like Siakam didn't. Ananobi's been inconsistent on that uh, aspect of his game. So Rondé does kind of fit what they tend to look for, so it mm-hmm. kind of does make sense that he's he succeeded there. Yeah, and it, I think also it's really helpful. Like, you can make those guys work when you have bigs that can shoot. So, like, for like having Gasol there, it gives them a really... Um, it gives them an outlet because you can still play four out. just happens to be your, one of your wings who's inside rather than your center. But with the Nets roster this year and also last year, you know, when, when you have Jared Allen and Ed Davis as your centers last year, it's not going to give Rondé any chance to succeed because he just can't play outside and now your spacing is completely washed. Yeah, and he was at his best for the Nets last year when he was playing that small ball five, mm-hmm. which is like not really a lineup that can work. So yeah, it makes sense to have him next to a shooting big. I saw like some rumor that like someone was suggesting, I don't know if this was like sourced or anything, that the Raptors would consider trading like Marcus Gasol for DeRozan back, which I don't think makes that a makes ton no of sense, sense yeah. especially with what we were just talking about, where uh, Gasol's been so good on the defensive end too, uh, holding Embiid scoreless in that game recently. So I, I, I like the fit that the Raptors have going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you want to get someone a great holiday gift, how about Audible? Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash lockedonmba. If you're listening on the go, you can visit, and you can't visit, ah, three, two, one. And you can't visit Audible right now. You can find this and all offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers. Okay, Marcus, it's uh, it's what everyone was waiting for. It, they want us <laughs> to crucify Jean and Musa and Theo Pinson. <laughs> um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I've crucify. Come on, I know, I know. It's just like it's not like unexpected is the only thing. Right, like, these are fringe NBA players who are being asked to do way more than they should be. Pinson is a combined three of sixteen these last two games against the Celtics. Musa, anytime he touches the ball, I'm assuming he's going to turn it over. Uh, they're bad. They're not. Yeah. They're not good NBA players. There's not much else to say. Um, but this is kind of what the team was expected to have happen when these guys stepped in. I think that it's a team that is not super deep, especially 
at the ball handling position. Like they have three great options in mm-hmm. Kyrie, Dinwiddie, and Levert. But then after that, it kind of falls off a cliff. They don't have like a ton of like tertiary ball handlers. Temple, I think, has done a good job of being that guy, like we said, anchoring the second unit. But yeah, there's just not a lot of like wing playmakers. Uh, Joe Harris is solid, but he's not a guy who's going to like break down a defense right, unless right. he's like coming around to pick. So like you kind of have to have Pinson and Musa be those guys just because that's at least their game. It's just that their game is not like up to NBA standards. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, the Nets so desperately, if you look at this roster, they so desperately need someone that can be that stopgap kind of third point guard option, good vet, and then if they get thrust in a role with injuries where they're needing to play, they can at least get the team into a set, hit an open jumper, and not take anything off the table, or at least not take too much off the table. So, like, uh, how Neto would be a great option. Even Wanamaker, I think, like, he fits that mold perfectly. He's probably a little overqualified, but, like, they need someone like that. And to, especially... I mean, having three guys that really can do that on this entire roster, it's pretty poor and I think uh, a little bit negligent of Sean Marks because you look at these three guys, Dim, we had a big injury last year, and then you have Karras and Kyrie who are fairly injury-prone throughout their careers. So it was definitely plausible coming into this year that one of the, the two of those three guys could be injured at the same time. Even if one of them is injured, it still takes a lot away. So um, I, you know, I get it. Musso was a first round pick last year. I don't think he's going to become anything, but uh, you want to keep him on the roster and kick the tires, especially he had a, a nice season in the G League last year. Pinson, to me, I get it. He's great for morale. He's fun. He's dancing. Uh, I love that. But like, <laughs> as far as a player goes, he doesn't cut it. And developmentally, I mean, he's 24. I think this is kind of it for him. He struggled a ton at UNC. He never really got it together. He can be an interesting kind of... Uh, playmaker type but his handle is super loose we saw that today multiple possessions in a row where he couldn't get anything going his shot isn't good um defensively he can create some some stuff and make something happen with his energy but offensively there's no one part of the the game that he does at like even an average level i think just like he's such a below average option for them um and also he was just pounding the ball on the ground he was really frustrating to watch and also musa was just because he doesn't have a handle right now and his shot selection is completely out of whack yeah, and I saw you tweeted about them uh, from the Locked On Nets account. Follow us at Locked On Nets yep. uh, during the game. And I, I think someone responded suggesting Jamal Crawford as like an option. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think, I think that was a joke. I hope it was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the Nets also need people that can uh, stay in front of someone. And, and to, sure. to give Musa credit, his defense has actually been good. But I don't yeah, think... Yeah, Pinson's not terrible defensively either. Yeah, neither is. I just don't think a, what is he, 42... Thirty-nine-year-old. No, I'm I think sorry. He's in his fifties. Yeah. I'm aging. I'm aging. Jamal Crawford. A thirty-nine-year-old Jamal Crawford is going to be uh, the answer. I think you could even look to like flip Musa for like a guard who's been on a couple teams, um, more like a Tyus Jones type. Who a t- other another team is just looking to take a chance on more of a wing. Big Tyus Jones fan. Yeah, I think that's probably probably the option to go here rather than signing a, a vet because also like <laughs> a vet like Jamal Crawford's not going to play ideally. These people will be healthy, just in kind of this emergency situation. You need someone that can fill in. But, I mean, Moose and, and Pinson are playing like 15, 20 minutes a game, and it's brutal to watch this. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I kind of understand it a little bit more with Pinson because, like you said, he is like a great energy guy, seems like a great teammate. Uh, he can defend point guards like credibly for a couple minutes. I, I just still want like Nawaba to get all these Musa minutes because Musa 
isn't really being asked to do much of the playmaking. He's kind of doing. Yeah, they're taking him off ball because he's he's been terrible. Yeah, exactly. And so I think Nawaba can definitely do that. He can defend better than Musa can. So I, I don't understand why he's not playing over him. Yeah, it might just be one of those things where even though Musa can't hit a three at all, I think he's like seven of thirty-eight on the season. Just because he is white and European, people run out on him. So maybe Kenny's thinking that they can at least generate some spacing just because of uh, his appearance. Yeah, it's like the anti-Rondo thing, where like even though Rondo is like turned into like an okay shooter, people still think he's like atrocious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just so ready for Musa not to not play. There was like yeah. one the one play this game where he ended up drawing the foul, but like he got the ball in a three-on-one break, and he had an easy pass either to. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget, it was either like Temple or someone who was like, or Prince that was cutting to the basket on the far side, or Allen who was right next to him for the, the cutting pass to, to get a dunk. And he decided to go neither of them and got bailed out with a foul call and only made one of the free throws. It's just like the times where he should be passing it, he's either like um, taking it up himself or shooting a 30 foot three. And then times where he's wide open from three, he's instead um, traveling after trying to drive the ball. Yep, there was one play where he caught it at the top of the key, I think, wide open, and I literally, I screamed, shoot it, and he, like, pump faked into a trap. said, no. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is kind of a, an interesting segue. Like, the way that Kurix has been completely banished from Oof. the rotation, it, are you with me that it has to be something more than the assault allegations? Because, like, he was playing at the start of the year. Maybe they don't like the way he's handled himself. Um, once his minutes got reduced and they just decided to shut him down fully from the rotation. But this is a fall far from grace from someone that was uh, a darling of the Nets last season. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he, even like in those games he was playing, like once he started to fall out of the rotation, I remember like he'd play in garbage time and he would always kind of seem to be like a little testy. Like he would get into like a lot of uh, back and forths with opponents. Just like, I don't know, if you've fallen out of the rotation, just like have some self-awareness, just Mm -hmm. be like trying to, work on your game in those last couple minutes because that is like the opportunity to show the coaching staff like I'm past all this like I want to contribute I want to do this and he kept seemingly getting distracted uh, by like little petty things on the side he's always been a guy whose confidence has kind of come and gone offensively he'd have times where he's wide open but he doesn't want to shoot other times where he will just kind of shoot every time he touches it so I think he just needs to find more consistently more consistency and I think the Nets are, I guess, thinking that like by sending him to the G League, allowing him to kind of be the best player on the court, maybe he can get that confidence back and be a guy who can contribute later on in the season. Because right now, it's, it is strange that they've kind of just completely shuttered him, but keep giving these opportunities, like we said, to, to Musa and Pinson. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Hopefully he can get his confidence back. Because of those three, he's just by far the best long-term prospect, given yeah. his athleticism and I think he has really good instincts and anticipation. I mean, we saw that on defense. He's great at shooting the gap. He's great at just kind of hanging around um, after after the other team gets a rebound and poking the ball away or getting a steal. Uh, I think he can be a menace, especially on defense, and a really serviceable offensive player who can cut and uh, get offensive rebounds. He just kind of has to harness that in an ability um, where he's kind of continuously producing good results and not someone who's letting his lack of confidence kind of get in the way of his entire game yeah i wonder if like all the veterans last year maybe kept his head on straighter like a guy like jared dudley who kind of plays that same position kind of walking him through things like making sure he stays focused on what he needs to be focused on because the nets don't really have like a veteran 
uh, wing Temp- guy right Temple now. and like Shumpert. Have... Temple and Shumpert. No, yeah. Those are good locker yeah. room guys. Those guys are more like on the ball, I guess, is what I'm what I'm thinking. And like Jordan is, is the center, obviously. So I don't know. That's probably reading too much into it. But having guys like Carroll and Dudley who kind of played the same position maybe helped him last year. I don't know. Just trying to find something that could be the cause of this. Maybe the Lakers will loan Dudley to the Nets to let him at least like maybe oh Skype God. with, with Krugs and just give him some advice. <laughs> Wasn't that a thing where, like, when Magic was still running the Lakers, he was gonna like help Ben Simmons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Lakers, yeah, done he like was he didn't understand why he wasn't allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, what what a guy! What what a time! Also, yeah, miss Magic. Yeah, I think we I think we all do, <laughs> just for his his sheer comedy. So that's gonna be it for today's episode of the Lockdown Nets podcast. As Marcus mentioned. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNets. Follow him on Twitter at Marcus Bearhall. You don't really have to follow me. If, if you want to follow me, just follow the LockedOnNets account instead. That's all That's all I care about. Um, but if you do want to, I guess it's JMBass underscore. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever you get it, we will be there. Follow our friends on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rate and review us. And uh, enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. Bye.